Welcome to Embedded Edge with Knitting, a podcast that brings to life the stories behind today's embedded systems, technologies, and products. It's the show where you'll hear from both engineers and executives on some of the most topical news and most pressing challenges in the world of embedded system design. Here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded.com, Nitin Dahad. Hello. Welcome to this second of our series of Embedded Edge with Nitin podcasts from the Embedded World 2022 show in Nuremberg, Germany. This year, we are seeing a lot more traction with the RISC-V standard. So we caught up with some of the key players in the RISC-V ecosystem at the show in Nuremberg. In this episode, we talked to RISC-V International and the Open Hardware Group about the latest developments in the ecosystem. And then we catch up with executives from Imagination Technologies, GigaDevice, and Codasip. Plus, we talked to hardware as a service provider, MicroE, with their own RISC-V news too. So let's get the show started with Callista Redmond of RISC-V International. I'm here at the RISC V Pavilion with uh, Callista Redmond of uh, RISC V International. Hello, Callista. Hi, great to see you again. Tell me, uh, you made some announcements here for this week at Embedded World in Nuremberg. Just summarize what they are, please. We've had a lot of great announcements together with many members in our community. And, uh, but the RISC-V members have gone ahead and ratified our first four extensions of the new year. And, well, I guess it's not the new year anymore of 2022. Uh, and we have our sights on several more. The important four that we did this time was eTrace. That's a uh, important extension for debugging. Uh, SBI that allows for an abstraction layer that helps for software development. And then third, bringing the UEFI protocol over to RISC-V. And then finally, ZMMUL for those who need multiply only rather than uh, multiply and divide. So those are some important extensions we've brought out. So um, I think that brings to a total of around 20 extensions and you're planning to do some profiles this year as well. Is that right? That's correct. Last time we spoke, we talked about, you know, what, are, what have you done over the last year and uh, the progress you've made so far. And it feels like, you know, you've got traction. You, know, you said uh, you're having a lot of VCs talk to you now about uh, where should we invest in RISC-V. Tell us a little bit about some of those conversations and how they go. You know, it's really fun to be sort of in the middle of uh, the center of gravity for RISC-V. We are often asked to be matchmaker, right, between startups looking for funding and VCs looking for the hot new startup to invest in. And, you know, it's it's a testament to where we are as a uh, collective community. It's the investment that is being seen from multinationals to VCs and well-funded startups to uh, entire governments of countries. That collective investment is what drives open source and open standards and collaboration forward. That's the validation that is coming at a perfect time as we start to see a lot more momentum behind products and market. I'm going to ask you a question which might sound a bit odd. It feels like uh, you've achieved quite a lot. What's left for the organization? I mean, what's the next uh, thing that you need to do? 
Well, I think we've achieved a status as the most prolific open ISA in history, and we are absolutely going to continue to build on that. Building on that means that you foster the success of the entire community. And so our number one goal is to you know, help to build success commercially, academically, uh, around the world. Uh, and that's something that we are very focused on. So in addition to a very extensive uh, development roadmap of more extensions and things that we can add into our existing menu, we're also working with the ecosystem. As uh, you've heard me say before, none of us should ever work in isolation. It's all about collaboration. So we're collaborating with other open organizations as well as proprietary organizations to bring their workloads onto RISC-V. And that ecosystem build is something that will uh, continue and we will continue to foster that. We're also shoring up and, and expanding on many of the programs that we have to ensure the individual member success as well as the community success. So those programs include development of a certification class, development of other online learning tools, cultivating careers and, and other job boards, cultivating a marketplace for all things RISC-V that we launched a uh, soft launch earlier in the last month, and we're going to continue expanding and growing that to include developer forums. So there's a lot more to do. And, you know, as, as we continue to get bigger and we can scale those things, we are continuing to keep a very global eye to make sure that we can deliver on our promise around the world. So you're not going to sit back right just yet? Oh, there's no sitting back, man. It's buckle up time, edge of your seat time. Everything is full speed ahead and moving faster than I think anyone actually imagined. Calista, thank you very much. Thanks so much, and Great to catch up with you. This is Nitin Dahad here with uh, Rick O'Connor of Open Hardware Group. Hello, Rick. Hello, Nitin. It's good to see you. So tell me what you're announcing here uh, at uh, Embedded World. So here at Embedded World, we've got a number of members of the open hardware ecosystem that are also, dis, um, you know, have exhibits and on display here. And collectively, we've got probably 20 or so companies involved in a major announcement around the Core 5 MCU development kit. What does that development kit and the whole stuff around it entail? Well, it's, it's actually a little bit of a culmination of all of the various projects that have been underway in the open hardware ecosystem over the last year and a half. From, from the very beginning of when we really got started uh, with, with the original projects. And that starts with an open source core, the E40P, the CV32 E40P core, which came out of ETH Zurich as, as the RISC-E core that most people know. It's an embedded four-stage core, embedded class four-stage core. And that's been fully verified using commercial techniques to have a fully verified core that end users can take and put into a high volume production SOC. But we've built that uh, core into the Core 5 MCU. We're showing a development kit today based on a hardware emulation platform and also announcing the availability of the, the physical hardware. We're taping out in 22 FDX here in a couple of weeks, fingers crossed. <laughs> and we'll have uh, silicon back later in the year for real development boards around the Core 5 MCU. And you have some demos here. What's the significance of the demos? Yeah, it's interesting. The demos that we're running, uh, so we're, we're emulating a, like a fleet weather station where we're gathering temperature from a, a fleet of IoT sensors spread around the world. There's four or five of them here at Embedded World, and the rest are spread, in, spread around the world in different geographies. And we're just capturing temperature in those locations, streaming them up into Amazon Cloud using Amazon's ExpressLink uh, new protocol that they've developed. So that's a, 
you, you can check in with them, but that's a, 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 an automatically authenticated uh, protocol to validate your endpoint into the cloud with no, no must, no fuss kind of thing. Uh, so we're streaming that data up into the cloud and then just displaying it on a dashboard. So technically, not a big feat. It's no, it's no great, uh, oh wow, it's been done before. But the point of, of this platform is it's been developed in open source with collaborators from around the world, 20 to 30 different companies participating. Uh, everything from the core itself, system Verilog, UVM-based test bench to verify the core, the integration of the core into an MCU design, uh, the hardware emulation plat platform for that MCU design, uh, the, the Core 5 SDK, which is uh, GCC-based, free RTOS port, all of, all of those different projects coming together to deploy a, a platform that you can use today to develop your application on and then go to production with. And it's not just about temperature monitoring, which is uh, what you're doing with the demos, because what you were saying, I think, is that you know, it enables you with that open source framework to actually be able to do many other things that you might not be able to do you know, with, with fixed systems. Right, so the processor's open. Uh, you can modify it, uh, add your own secret sauce. In the Core 5 MCU, there's an embedded FPGA array from QuickLogic. You can roll your own accelerator for your own purpose-built data set problem that you're trying to deal with at, at the edge with a low-power device. So there's lots of enablement in this platform that, I mean, if you want something off the shelf, you can go and get that. There's plenty of solutions, and this is probably not for you. But if you want to go and play with the architecture and finally tune it to your application, this is open source from the RTL right up. And verified. And fully verified. Rick, thank you very much. Thank you, Nitin. Good to see you. And now I'm here with uh, Shreyas Darashri of Imagination Technologies. Shreyas, hello. Uh, hello, Nitin. What's the Imagination Technologies announcement here at the Embedded World in Nuremberg? So, Nitin, if you remember from uh, December last year, we had announced our uh, intention to, to develop RISC-V CPUs. We announced our cap Catapult family of CPUs. Uh, at Embedded World this year, we're announcing our first product uh, available for, uh, for, for licensing. Uh, it's our first embedded real-time processor. It's an 11-stage pipeline dual-issue CPU. Uh, that we announced uh, at, at Embedded World. And since your announcement, I mean, you've been on the, the path of these RISC-V for, for, I think, for a while now, and you announced last year. What has been the customer interest? And also, can you tell us a little bit about the trends that you're seeing at the moment? Uh, so RISC-V is, is definitely ga gaining more and more interest uh, within, within the, the semiconductor industry. Practically every big semiconductor company is looking at RISC-V, uh, either curiously or, or have internal sort of li little projects running around RISC-V. The one big trend uh, that I've seen is that uh, companies are looking for reliable CPU suppliers, uh, reliable CPU suppliers that can deliver quality CPU products that are performant, you know, bug-free, uh, but also looking at uh, companies that can support them for a long, long time. And this is where imagination is is unique in this space. Uh, we have a strong pedigree of, of uh, almost uh, two and a half decades of, of creating complex IPs, functional safe IPs, which is another trend which is happening in the in the automotive industry particularly. So yeah, as imagination, uh, you know, two and a half decades of, of uh, experience of supporting uh, our customers, uh, delivering them quality IP, that's what uh, uh, 
you know customers are looking uh, at at from a, from a risk 5 cpu point of view they're really looking at it from uh, not either or but like a heterogeneous uh, compute architecture strategy isn't it yeah uh, that's correct, Nathan. So that's another mega trend that is happening in the industry. The compute needs in the industry are growing every year, mainly driven by data explosion in AI ML. And traditional architectures of like a CPU-only architecture or, or, or a GPU-only, they cannot uh, continuously deliver the performance needs. So industry is looking at heterogeneous compute, bringing in uh, these IPs together, uh, different types of compute elements together to deliver the right amount of compute needed, uh, be it in the automotive industry or the data center industry. Again, through imagination, and one of the things that I look after uh, as part of my compute uh, work that I do is, is trying to bring uh, the CPU together with our GPUs uh, and also with our AI accelerators to, to give customers a complete solution, uh, a complete compute solution. And what's next uh, with the Catapult uh, series? So we have got a very busy roadmap um, and we'll be announcing more products uh, towards the end of this year and then following up with uh, automotive products uh, next year. And you've got quite a large team working on this, haven't you? So uh, right now we have we are over 100, 100 people uh, in the CPU sort of design side of things. And our ambition is to grow uh, up to 200 people by the end of next year. So it's a, like I mentioned in the last uh, uh, meet we had in December, it's a 10-year uh, plan that Imagination has. It's, it's um, backed by the strong business that we have in GPU space. So we continue to invest in CPU. And yeah, probably by the end of next year, we'll be touching 200 people. So it's a serious amount of investment we are doing in RISC-V. And is that worldwide? It is worldwide. Mainly it's in UK, uh, but we are also opening teams in India. And uh, we have uh, teams in Romania where we are also expanding. And uh, one of the other things I think you were talking about was uh, your SDK here. Yes, so as part of our RISC-V offering, uh, we're not just providing the IEP, we're providing a complete solution. Uh, so we have Catapult Studio uh, and, and Catapult SDK. So Catapult Studio is our IDE, which is again unique because uh, most CPU IDEs are Eclipse-based, which is which I believe is an old generation uh, sort of environment. We are bringing Visual Studio Code to RISC-V, which is, which is an environment that developers love. Uh, so we'll be bringing that uh, to RISC-V. We'll be opening up some of these uh, tools that we are doing for, for wider public. First of all, we'll, we'll open up uh, through our university programs. Uh, it will be the exact complete solution that we'll, we'll open up through the university program. And then we'll, we'll look at opening it up for, for the wider sort of RISC-V community as well. Well, Shreyas, thank you very much. Thank you, Nitin. I'm here with um, Rupert Beans, uh, CMO of Codasip. He's just recently joined. Hello, Rupert. Good afternoon, Nitin. Tell me, why did you join uh, Codasip after you know you've you've sort of done something quite successful already? Um, it's a really good question. To a degree, I can't quite remember, but I'm very glad I have joined. It's an incredibly exciting company, a really good bunch of people and we're making some amazing things happen in the industry. Tell me a little bit about Codasip and progress to date and yeah, where you're going. So Codasip, we're a European company, spun out of a university in Brno in Czech Republic, now with offices in Cambridge, Bristol, Barcelona, Sofia, Antipolis, growing incredibly fast, 
with customers all around the world. Here you're talking about Risk Five with a twist. What really is that? So, Risk Five with a twist, our core product that we sell is Risk Five IP. We've got a portfolio of standard Risk Five processes. However, the twist is we supply those with an architecture license and with a software environment that makes them uniquely easy to configure and modify. So our customers can take that standard RISC-V core and make it their own, make it into something truly unique for their application. There's always been a debate about customizing and making it their own, but how does that play into sort of making sure that you've got all the support around it? That's what we do. That's the key differentiator that Codasip has. So it's the best of both worlds. It's the RISC-V standard, and standard is an important term, with all the advantages of an ecosystem, interoperability, support, software libraries, tools. You get all of those, but then you can add instructions, you can extend the ISA, you can leverage the fundamental strength of the RISC-V architecture. And we make that easy in both a legal sense, you get an architecture license, and a technical sense that it's genuinely possible to do with a reasonable engineering team. How does one actually make their, their customized, is there some kind of software tool or something? How does that actually work? So very good question. A key part of our deliverable is a software tool. It's called Studio. It was developed explicitly for designing processes. That, it's not a general purpose tool. It's not a replacement for Verilog. It's like a generator or a pre-processor. And Studio helps you design processes and then it spits out a rich Verilog environment with all of UVM. It also creates the software environments that you need, compiler, debugger, etc., that understand the customization, the features, the new opcodes you've created. Okay, that's actually quite important. Now, there's been a lot of talk about RISC-V and open source. I guess what you're telling me here is it, it, it's, it's not about that. It's about creating something from a standard rather than actually being able to sort of get some free stuff. Exactly, exactly right. Um, I don't like talking about RISC-V as open source. The key thing is it's an open standard. The specification is public. And in that respect, it's very much the same as GSM or 802.11. You can download the spec, anyone can make their own implementation and with a confidence about interoperability, but that implementation might be proprietary, it might be secret, or it might be made available as open source. And that's a commercial decision, but it is all based on the public open standard. Okay, well, Rupert, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Nitin. So I'm at the GigaDevice uh, Semiconductor uh, booth at uh, Embedded World Nuremberg and with Ren Sun and Saeed Hussein. Hello. 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 Hi. What are you showing here? And uh, tell me a little bit about uh, GigaDevice, please, uh, Ren. So GigaDevice is a company founded in 2005, and uh, we are now very established in China and also in the global market. Uh, today, what we are showing here um, the products from our major business unit like Flash and, and MCU, but also including some new product like a power management unit um, and uh, some news. Um, the, the company itself is um, 
developing very well in, in the market. Our business is growing very fast, especially for the MCU business. Uh, we can see a kind of explosive growth in the last two, three years uh, here in Europe and also in the global market. Uh, we are now the number one Chinese uh, MCU market uh, supplier, but also we are expanding very, very fast uh, in Europe and the American market. So for the flash business, maybe my colleague side can take something. Okay, so uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the memory, uh, the flash side. So side, tell me a little bit about what uh, you're offering and why why you're special. Yeah, so uh, thanks for your question. Uh, I think Embedded World for us is a very important show because it really helps us define who we are. And in NorFlash business, we've been in, in the business for the last 10 years. But what we have done is we have taken the NorFlash technology from 2 megabit all the way to 2 gigabit and put it in a very small 8-pin package. WSON, say 8-pin, compact, so you can migrate your software from any yeah. density easily to the next without changing the footprint. So which is a very unique selling point. And the second thing is, we are experts of Quad SPI NOR and Octal NOR. So we plan to do the same thing for the NAND offerings. Instead of parallel interface, we change it to SPI okay. and offer the same uh, footprint for SPI NAND to cover the four gig and eight gigabit type of devices. Thank you. And uh, Ren, uh, let's talk MCUs. Uh, you're, you've just recently launched a wireless LAN MCU, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, last year, we introduced the first um, wireless LAN um, MCU into the market from Giga Device. This product is called W515, and uh, it has um, very nice um, embedded control functions integrated based on the ARM Cortex M33 core with a trust zone security function supported. And uh, if we compare it to the other product or solutions in the market, we can realize that this product is definitely the right choice to combine the communication and the embedded control function to one chip. Uh, with this chip, a lot of system vendor can definitely reduce uh, the effort of using a wireless LAN module for communication and another extra embedded control MCU uh, for the system and definitely reduce the bomb. And two years ago, Embedded World, you launched the first uh, RISC-V MCU uh, from Giga Device. I think you're seeing demand for both, both types of MCUs, uh, so the, the ARM as well as RISC-V. Tell me just yeah, a little bit about both. Yeah, so it's also very, I'm very proud to say that last time during the Embedded World, we were awarded by the worldwide first 32-bit RISC-V microcontroller. The company is still on the way to develop continuously on the RISC-V. Uh, still, the market majority today is based on ARM Cortex, but we will also step-by-step step introduce new products based on the RISC-V. So it's a very interesting domain that we see the demand from the market, also from the customer side. Well, Ren and Said, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here with Neb Matic of MicroE at Embedded World. Hi, Neb. Welcome, Nitin. Uh, welcome to MicroE Boot. Tell me, what are you announcing here at Embedded World in Nuremberg? Oh, we have uh, several announcements. So the biggest one is the uh, Necto Studio 2.0, the new version of our new uh, our IDE for uh, multiple architecture and multiple number of vendors. So, and beside that, we are also here to announce uh, the first hardware as a service, uh, uh, service, and we like to show everyone how it look like physically. So, so, so let's take a step back. So what are your products? What do you do? So maybe some of our listeners don't know. We do uh, development tools for various microcontrollers and we do whole ecosystems. So we do 
dev tools, we do uh, peripheral boards, we do smart displays, we do programmer debuggers, and we do compilers. And, and these products are available to customers via your tools? Yes, they are available from our webpage and many distributors. So almost all distributors for catalog distributors is uh, supporting our products. Tell me more about Nectar Studio 2. So Nectar Studio 2.0 is the new uh, version of our IDE, Nectar Studio, and we are now supporting RISC-V architecture. And we moved to subscription-based model so means it's free for non-commercial use, and for commercial use, it's only $29 per month. Currently, we support six compilers inside, PIC, DSPIC, PIC32, AVR, ARM, and RISC-V. That's excellent. Uh, now, this is all linked to your hardware as a service offer, which you launched last year. How are you doing with that? It's going great. We have right now about 100 boards, and the plan is to have a board farm with 1,000 boards in one year, so one year from now. Right now, there is a huge number of usage. There is a lot of uh, um, uh, different, in, in different time zone usage. We call it, uh, this concept, what we uh, uh, designed, we call planet debug. Means you could do debugging from any point of the, uh, from, on this planet. This is available, uh, the board farm is actually, uh, the boards are actually physical, real boards available in various centers around the world, but anybody anywhere in the world can access it and they don't even need to have lots of resources behind them. Yes, they just need to download Nectar Studio, install it, and they, in, inside the Nectar Studio, they could choose any board they want to be connected with, and the connection has been done by our uh, code grip programmer debugger, which is the first uh, programmer debugger could, which could debug over the Wi-Fi. We use uh, uh, the same codec, codec like uh, HBO or Netflix for streaming the picture inside the Necto. So you, you will see the board you are working on. So whatever happens on the board, you will, you will be able to see in real time. So you actually programming the board and debugging the board on the same time where you, uh, when you see see the board. And uh, finally, what's the, what's the output? What does the customer do once they've developed this on online via your system? Well, they use their code for uh, for uh, developing the end user product. So they could do what uh, the whole production, the whole development of the code on online on Planet Debug concept inside the Necto Studio, and then after they finish the project, they will go to some uh, to some contra manufacturing or some uh, someone who will design their, their their hardware, for example, and then you know the number of the of the boards they will produce is then decided by the market. Ned, thank you very much. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of this episode. That was Embedded Edge with Nitin, and I'm Nitin Dahad. Thanks for listening. 